This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. I'm hoping that some of these lessons we've been teaching on will help us see what the Bible says about different subjects and help us understand a lot of things that maybe we didn't know that was in the Word of God. But not a uh, popular subject, of course, when we talk about what the Bible says about the enemy. The enemy, of course, being the devil. And it's not always easy when you're teaching on this subject, but I felt like it was just so many things in God's Word about him that we do need to try to look at those things, and we tried to cover quite a bit of it last week. Uh, I was looking also and studying into a little bit before uh, we got started into this lesson, and I, and I want to give you this fact here. There are two books that the devil hates the most in the Bible, and they are Genesis and Revelation. You may say, well, why is that? If you ever read Genesis, you know Genesis, the devil's doom is pronounced in Genesis. And in Revelation, it's carried out. It's the devil's obituary in Revelation. Uh, Satan, of course, would have us believe that Genesis is a myth, that Revelation is a mystery, but I hope you never believe that. But I do know, and I don't, I don't know if you knew this, that there is no devil, no sin, no sorrow in the first two chapters of the Bible. And there's no devil, no sin, no sorrow in the last two chapters of the Bible. So it's pretty amazing. There's a special blessing in the book of Genesis because it's the seedbed of all Scripture. And Revelation is a culmination of all the Scriptures. And... It is the only book, Revelation is the only book that God promises to bless you if you will read it and heed it. So there are some, some great facts about Genesis and Revelation, and they kind of give you an idea why the devil hates those two books as well. Uh, on a lighter note, you may have heard about the Sunday school teacher who was just totally fed up of, of the misbehavior of one of her students. And she finally got to the breaking point. She just lost it. And she grabbed him and shook him as hard as she could. She said, Billy, I think the devil has got a hold of you. And he looked her straight in the eyes and he said, yes, ma'am, I think I do see the devil. <laughs> well, the matter of fact, the devil has a hold of a lot of people. And they may not even know how they're influenced by the devil in so many ways. But I'm so thankful that he doesn't have a grip on us as children of God. Amen? He doesn't. We're, we're saved and sanctified and we're, we're, we thank the Lord for the power of God in our life. Well, let's do a quick recap of what we did last Wednesday night. We started off with Ephesians 6.12 and we gave you that, that verse there and how important that it is. They'll get these scriptures here up on the screen hopefully, but for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. There's a lot of things listed in that verse that aren't very pleasant. 
But those things are what we need to realize. It's not something that we necessarily see with our physical eye. We see the results of a lot of these things. But as Christian, we are in a battle every day and we wrestle against these powers that are in the world, against the darkness that's in the world, against the wickedness that's in the world. And we can see it all around us. We can see the effects of it. So uh, real quickly, number one, we gave you his names, Abaddon, Apollon, Beelzebub, Beel, Satan, Lucifer, Prince of Devils. Number two, we told you that he was a cherub. Number three, he was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Number four, he does know the Word of God. He knows it. He likes to misquote it. <laughs> Number five, he was a beautiful creature at one time, created by God, and his reason was to make music for him. Number six, he was perfect until he sinned. And that sin was, number seven, he was proud and thought himself to be God. Number eight, he was thrown out of heaven. And number nine, he has appeared before God. He does make appearances before God. We find that found that out uh, in the Bible in the book of Job. Number 10, Satan does provoke nations. And I believe that's what causes a lot of, of uh, stirring up between each of us as far as nations and people in these nations. Satan has a lot to do with that. Satan even tried to tempt Jesus. And you, you know the temptation in the wilderness that, that uh, Jesus had with him. And he quoted scripture back to him every time. He didn't yield to that temptation, but Satan sure tried. And then number 12, he can fill one's heart with the wrong ideas if we let him. And that's where we pick up tonight. He can fill your heart with wrong ideas if we let him. Notice in Acts chapter 5, and I want to read a little bit of that familiar story to some of you. Acts chapter 5, we'll begin in verse number 1. Notice the progression here of what happened. It says, A certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being private to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So really, it doesn't seem like two awfuls right now what they did. They sold a piece of land and they got together and they said, let's just keep part of the money for ourselves and let's lay some of the money down at the apostles' feet. But the problem is here in verse number three. Peter said, Ananias, notice this, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? So what Peter recognized, and it's amazing that he could recognize that, but he recognized the fact that they, when they laid that money down at the apostles' feet, that Satan had had a part in filling their heart and giving them the idea to hold back whatever uh, amount that they did. 
Verse number four, while as it rained, was it not thine own? After it was sold, was it not in thine own power? While hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, that thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? So what Peter was really trying to get across to them, it's not the fact that you would lie to us as the apostles here, but you lied unto God. You wasn't honest with God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was the space of about three hours when his wife, knowing what he had done, came in. And Peter answered unto her. He gave her an opportunity to do the right thing. Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yea, for so much. Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? You see, that's what Satan's motive always is going to be, is to bring that temptation there. Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. She fell down straightway at his feet, yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Satan had put it in their heart. Satan had influenced them to have a totally different story when it came to Peter and to God. So we need to keep in mind the very fact that he can influence people. Another uh, parable that the Lord spake of, and I'm not going to take time. I don't have time to go through the whole parable. But I do want to show you in Matthew 13, and I picked out verse 3 and 4, because as Jesus was teaching that parable, he said, He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls, the, the fowls came and devoured them up. What happened to that seed? Well, verse 19 explains it. When one, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart, that he which received the seed by the wayside. So he explains the wayside parable, the seed parable. The sower sowing that seed, it falls by the wayside. Many times as we try to sow the word of God to someone, we try to explain it to them. We tell it to them. We show it to them. And they, they see it. And they, they even can read it for themselves. But also the devil realizes, hey, I want to get that seed away from them before they understand it too much. And before they start to say, hey, I need Jesus in my life. And so he comes along and snatches that seed away. And many times that has happened. I know I have witnessed to people and I felt like I did a good job sowing the seed. But it was just a matter of time when the seed was gone. What happened to it? Don't you remember what I told you and showed you? It's gone. Satan has come along and, and taken that away. So he is very busy at doing that. Number 13, Satan can transform himself 
into an angel of light. I touched on a little bit uh, last time about let's not get caught up with the picture of uh, a picture of Satan being having the pitchfork and the horns and all that this and that. And that's not what he's going to look like. He's going to look like an angel of light. And as that angel of light, he can deceive many people that way and thinking that he's good for them. He's helpful to them. So 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15 talk about these things. And I found these very uh, interesting as I studied this again, because you think about who is in the world today and in a positions today to teach people, even preach to people. All right, look at this. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. That's why I've always said, you're going to watch somebody on TV, a ministry on TV, you're going to listen to some ministry, uh, however you listen to it, make sure that they are preaching the truth and lined up with the Word of God. Because if you watch them long enough and you listen to them long enough and they are not, you'll, you'll notice it. You'll figure it out. So don't get caught into that because they can transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, it says, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So my goodness, we do need to be on the lookout. We need to be careful. We need to be, uh, before we support some place, before we get caught up in some something, make sure that it's, it's true. Make sure that they're, they are true apostles. They are true uh, of Christ. So uh, he can do that. Ver- number 14, he is behind many of the false and unbiblical religions. He's behind that. You wonder how a lot of these cults and religions get started? Satan's behind those things, many of them today. And they're catching people in by the thousands. So, you know, Revelations 2, 8, 9, And the angel of the church of Smyrna write these things, saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works, and tribulation, and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Not everybody that says I'm of God is of God. (laughs) Not everybody that says I'm a disciple of Christ is a true disciple of Christ. They, once again, being transformed into these things. So we have to watch out for that. Now, number 15, the devil attempts to devour whomever he can. That famous verse in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. I put that verse 9 in there as well because I think it's important. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So important that we recognize those words sober, 
vigilant, and adversary. The devil's never your friend. He's never your friend, never going to be helpful to you in any kind of way. That the end result's going to always be bad. So we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. We need to be on top of our spiritual game, so to speak. Now, notice in verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So we need to be steadfast in our faith when it comes to him, no doubt about that. Uh, and he will come as a roaring lion in many different ways. So we can, we can look out for that. Now, number 16, Satan has free reign to travel throughout the world. He certainly does. We saw last time he's a prince of the power of the air. And he does have free reign to travel the world. How do I know that? Job 2 and verse 2, the Lord said unto Satan, this is when they were having a conversation there in heaven, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. I mean, he's, he's covering the whole thing. And he's looking for ways to deceive people. He's looking for ways that he can, uh, of course, rob that word that I talked about, that seed out of, out of their life. And he's a busy fellow. He's got a, he's got a full-time job and he'll never get weary. He'll never stop. He will keep on until the Lord wraps this thing up. Number 17, God can allow Satan to test and even bring bodily harm to God's people. I know we don't like to hear that, <laughs> but we will be put to the test many times. And those tests could be bodily harm. When you get to heaven, you sit down and talk to Job about it. And he'll tell you all about it. Now, the Lord, of course, blessed Job with more than he had before. But Job didn't know all that was going to take place. All he knew was something was going on majorly in his life. Now, Job 1.12, the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he had, talking about Job, because he, he asked him, you, you consider my servant Job? Oh yeah, I've been looking at Job. I've been watching him and I've been wanting to get him. But you got a hedge around him. You got protection around him. But if you, you get that protection out of the way and let me at him, he'll curse you to his face. But Job didn't do that. But notice what he said. Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Job 2, 6, the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand. But he said this, you've got to save his life. Save his life. And, you know, today we need to recognize that fact that he could have control over things in our life if God allows that. He could even bring some disappointment, heartache, bodily harm, these things that we could go through in life. And I believe that many times they may be a test for a Christian to see if our faith is going to remain strong in the Lord. We're going to still trust Him, still depend upon Him. And so 
uh, he is he is wanting to do that, of course, to all of us. I'm thankful for the hedge of protection that we have around us. Amen. I'm thankful for the Lord's protection on our life. And I believe many, many things would happen to us if it wasn't for that wonderful hedge of protection the Lord puts around us. Another thing in, in, in uh, number 18, he is the accuser of the brethren. And this, once again, will show you how busy he is. Revelation 12, 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Now notice this, For the accuser of the brethren is cast down. But look what he does, what he is doing, which accuseth them before our God day and night, day and night, never ceasing to try to bring accusations against you and I as a Christian to God. I'm so thankful. Can you imagine the many times that God points his finger at him and says, that child of God is covered by the blood of Christ that I shed for them. And so no matter how much you want to accuse them, they're still mine. Praise the Lord for that. And number 19, can he control people? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Now, we find this interesting in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 31. He began to teach them, meaning the disciples, and the Son of Man must suffer many things. It's getting close to the time when he's going to be crucified and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Verse 32 says, he spake that saying openly. So he, he made sure all of them heard it. All the disciples are hearing what Jesus is saying, that I'm going to, they're going to kill me, but I'm going to rise again in three days. Now notice what Peter did. Peter took him and began to rebuke him. I don't know if that word took means he almost kind of grabbed Jesus by the collar. I don't know. But I think he was so, he was so took, taken back by that, but it was more to it than that. Peter rebuked him, told him, and, and when he had turned about, he looked on his disciples and he rebuked Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan. Look at that. He didn't say, get thee behind me, Peter. But he knew what the, he knew what the deal was. Satan had control of Peter at that point, making Peter say these things. You see, Peter didn't, he's thinking, no, I don't want you to go to the cross. But Jesus is saying, listen, that's just Satan saying, hey, you don't want me to die for the sins of the world. No, you think you're going to stop me from doing that? Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that, that be of men. Now, Luke 22, verse number one. Now, the feast of the unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Now, notice this. Then entered Satan into Judas. You know, a lot of people have thought, well, what in the world made Judas do such a thing? He saw the miracles Jesus did. He listened to Jesus just like everybody else. He was there when everything else was taking place around Jesus. 
How in the world would he do such a thing? Then entered Satan into Judas, surname Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. I'll tell you how he did it. Satan entered into him and used him in that situation. So very important that we realize that that Satan could be influencing people in such a way. I've often said when I see certain things on the news and I hear certain things, it makes me shake my head and think, I don't think anybody could even, a human being could do such a thing unless they were influenced by Satan. They had to be to do such a devilish thing that they that they have done. All right, number 20. The lake of fire was originally created by God as a place of punishment for Satan and his demons. Matthew 25, 41. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for who? For the devil and his angels. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed it. So we got to realize here, verse 42 says, For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and yet you took me not in. Naked, and you not clothed me. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we and hungered, a thirst, a stranger, naked, sick, or in prison, and not ministered unto thee? Then shall he answer unto them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. So, we definitely know a place was created. It wasn't created for human beings. It wasn't created for us. But a lot of people are going to go there because they're lost. They don't know Christ as their Savior. And they've turned the Lord down. Well, we finish with number 21. He will temporarily be bound during the millennial reign of Christ. Actually, we got number 22. Revelation 20, he laid a hold of that dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years shall be fulfilled. After that, he must be loosed a little season. So temporarily, he will be bound up in the bottomless pit, but after the thousand years, he will be loosed for a little while. But thank the Lord for number 22. He will eventually end up in hell and the lake of fire. Revelation 20.10 And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night. How long? Forever and ever. Ever and ever. I'm glad the end result for that fellow. Amen? I'm glad he's going to end up there. He's going to get what's coming to him. But boy, I'm so sad to see how many he'll take with him before that time comes. That's why we must be busy about the Lord's business. That's why we must continue to work while it is day. 
Jesus said, for the night cometh when no man can work. I don't know when that time's going to be, but I believe it could be soon. So we need to look at it seriously. Take him seriously. Realize just like there's a Holy Spirit, just like there's a Jesus and God, there is a devil. And he's, he's alive and well and doing his work on this earth. Well, that's what the Bible says about the enemy. About the enemy. Amen? Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.